The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 till 11. And normally at this time, every fortnight we speak to former Western Victoria MP Simon Ramsey. He is not available this morning, but we'll be back with us in a couple of weeks' time. So we've had to get in a replacement. And I thought, why don't we speak to former Diversitat CEO Michael Martinez. We had someone called Michael Martinez on the program last week talking about lawns. It was a different Michael Martinez. But I thought, why don't we get the former CEO of Diversitat, the Michael Martinez, on the line to find out a bit about what he's working on, but also to hear his take on some of the issues of the day. So, Michael, good morning. Morning. Thank you so much for joining me on the program. Thanks, Mitchell, and hello to everyone out there in Pulse Land. Well, first of all, do you think that you left the position of Diversitat CEO at the right time, given that uh, pretty much as soon as you left, there was a massive COVID wave and it's uh, changed the way that organisations run and deliver services? I mean, it must have been a good time to get out before all that massive shift. Uh, I think so. I mean, it's. Um, I, th- I think I congratulate like Diversitat and Max in terms of how they've handled it. And I think, <clears throat> you know, the Pulse, everybody, it's been a big, a steep learning curve. And I think it's highlighted the, the importance, obviously, of technology. And and um, <clears throat> and I think it's going to change the, well, you know, it's obvious, but it's going to change the, the way we, we work um, as a society for, you know, for, you know, for the future anyway. So uh, <clears throat> it shows you that things like um, the NBN was, was a, a good call when um, I think uh, the former Rudd Gillard government put it in. Um, it's just a pity that it wasn't rolled out properly. And there'll be things that we take away from it and say, yes, we want to keep doing that. And there'll be some things that we don't want to keep doing. Like I think a lot of people are keen to go back to in-person meetings if they can, because the Zoom meetings get a bit tiresome. Yeah, that's oh, that's exactly right. I mean, it's no, it's and it's and it has a lot of. Um, there's other internals, you know. As long as you can afford, you've got a, a nice house, or you've got the, the, um, like I said, the NBN or, or whatever. But a lot of people, we, we've got to remember, don't have those capacities, and you know, live in small apartments, and it's 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 not easy for them and and families and and others. So I think it's it's a mixed bag. But there's no doubt that you know the regionalisation of, of of. The workplace, as I mean, it's good for regions like Geelong, where I live in Torquay, and you know, you can <clears throat> you can see lots of people are are working from home, and and I think that it'll be a mix, it'll be a mixture, won't it? It'll be a few days in the office, or or maybe part time in the office, and then um, you know, part time at home. But I think the the face to face meeting, you know, is still very important. I think that's right, but uh, I know of people that lived in Torquay, you probably do as well, that would commute to Melbourne five days a week. Uh, they must be relieved that they don't have to do that and may only have to commute to Melbourne one or two days a week and not get caught up in all that horrendous traffic or fight for a seat on the V-line to get to Melbourne and be there at a certain time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I <clears throat> I think, um, like, for... I mean, it, it's, it has a, a big impact in terms of, um, you know, things that we we take for granted, like, you know, um, our justice system and, um, you know, the health services and things like that. I think, I think, like, for health services, I mean, it's interesting how you you, you got the telehealth now that's taken off and, and people don't always have to go to see their doctor, but um, I think it's important that people still do, you know what I mean? So, look, with all this, all this, I mean, it's the ongoing impact of AI 
and and um, artificial intelligence, and all and that that is deeply impacting our lives every day, and it, and it's and it's increasing exponentially, isn't it? Really, it's 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 growing really rapidly. And a lot of these technologies, they were sort of there before COVID, but it's just given them an opportunity to really come to the forefront, like Zoom. Uh, I was one of the few that could say that I used Zoom before COVID was a thing, and QR codes have been around for ages, but now they've really come into the forefront, and it's given them an opportunity to actually be used by the majority of the people. And again, we can work out, do we like it? Will we keep using it, or will we uh, get rid of it when COVID's over and try and return back to some of the things that we were doing in 2019? Yeah, I don't... I don't think we're ever going to go back, and no. I, I don't think that's. I mean, it, it, you know, dare I say, it's like the, um, the 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 most pressing issue that we have is you know the warming planet, and and I think that is um, you know Glasgow is coming up in late October, November, and that is and Australia is is looking isolated, and we've got a very backward. Um, policy stance on that, which I don't know if you saw Foreign Correspondent last week. It was on what's happened in Spain. They're closing their last coal mine down, and they've just they're transition they're transitioning. And 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 the figures are eye watering. You know, like they're they're talking <clears throat> one company alone is investing a quarter of a trillion dollars in terms of um, renewables. And I think that 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 is the future. And it, I mean, <clears throat> we we kind of. You can you can keep thinking, oh, we we're going to keep doing things the way we were. I mean, that's that's like going back to the steam, the age of steam. I don't think it's po- it's possible, and I think we're going to be increasingly isolated with that. COVID's obviously been good for the planet in that respect. If people aren't commuting as much and aren't flying as much, that's a big thing for emissions already, isn't it? So some of those things may be taken into the future. Yeah, but our emissions are still going through the roof, and you know, I mean, what kind of country would would roll back a CPRS? I think it's, I think it's going to be a damning in, indictment on the current um, trajectory of the LNP. Sorry, there's, there's, no, they, they will, they are going to be found wanting in terms of the um, the decisions they've made, and I, I think it hasn't embraced the future. It, the future is is about um, not just about. Um, technology, but it's it's about embracing, you know, zero carbon as soon as we can get to it. Now, I think that's, you know, I think that's something that has been kind of um, pushed aside in Australia anyway with with the COVID situation. But if if you're in a, if you're in the US right now, or you know, once summer comes around in Australia and we we face another bushfire season, uh, I think these things will come to come to the fore. And like. It's not that long ago. You remember that <clears throat> we, re- we remember the um, the smoke and the and and the fires, and it, it didn't affect us too badly. We were we were pretty lucky down here on the coast, but mm. I think you, you remember that. I mean, it was it was bad, wasn't it? And it was, and I think these are all um, signs that that it's, it's happening very quickly. And <clears throat> I think that is the the most significant issue that we face as a species, really. What do you think will happen with that in terms of the next federal election, which I get the sense that the next federal election will be held well into next year. I think they'll be uh, trying for a go-long strategy simply because of the way COVID is panning out and maybe they'll be hoping that uh, by next year there'll be some normality back, there'll be a vaccine rollout that's got to 80% of the people doubly jabbed and therefore people have forgotten a bit about what it was like in lockdown and are starting to move on with their lives. But uh, if climate is going to be a big issue, what sorts of things would you you like to see discussed and if the Labor Party will bring in some climate policies what should be on the table there? Well I mean in, in terms of what we have to just we have to talk about 
I think I'm a great firm believer in acting locally um, and in able to get, you know, and then and thinking, you know, globally. But we've, we've really, as organisations and and communities, we have to come together and we have to, embr- we have to embrace the, the new technology and we have to, we have to accept that, you know, <clears throat> we can only change things from our, from our own perspective. And I, and I think that's, that's already happening. And I think, um, in Victoria, for example, we, we have various schemes that if you're in small business, you can get, you know, interest free loans. You can transition, um, to, you can make your workplace, um, um, you know, a, a carb, going to carbon neutral. There's things, you know, there's there's quite a lot out there that's a, a available, and I think that's <clears throat> that's the way you have to go. I'm I'm not in a position to to state what the Labor Party should do. I think, you know, as as they've quite rightfully pointed out, they're in opposition. It's it's. I mean, we've got a gov a federal government that, um, you know, they they roll back a CPRS. You know, they were they were, they were cheering on that they. They roll back something which, which, to, to my thinking, is was such a negative thing that you know we would be far more advanced in terms of where where we are today in terms of getting to net zero. You know, we would have um, businesses and industries that are, are developed around that. I think I think they've done an enormous amount of damage to our economic future. In state politics, there's a lot of talk this morning about a spill of the Liberal leadership, the opposition. Just wondering if you have any thoughts on that. Should the opposition try and shake up who the leader of the opposition is and would that make them more viable as a party at the next election? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure about that. I mean, um, I think Matthew Guy led them to historic defeat, didn't he? Yes. I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> so, I don't know. Um, I, I think the, the uh, it's very difficult to be in opposition. Everybody says that, but um, it, it, that's just a statement of fact. And I think that's the. Um, I think in terms of you know their their policies, I, I think it's um, not really um, the leader. I mean, it, it's the overall picture that you have of of of. I mean, they're they're in disarray in many in many in many senses. You know, I mean. Um, so I, I don't know if that's going to help much, but I guess they've got to try something, don't they? Because um, the polls aren't looking out good for them. I mean, the next elections at a state government level is quite a long way away. So, um, you know, they, they've, they've, they've got time to, to try and do something. But I think they've, they've got to be seen as being progressive and not, and not, and not being, uh, you know, um, just, they, you know, they're, they're complaining every time the government locks down or they complain. I mean, what else are we meant to do? You know what I'm saying? This this virus came, Delta came in from New South Wales. They're trying desperately to keep it out of the other states, including South Australia and Tasmania. But it, it'll get in there, won't it? You know, it, it's it's like it's it's inevitable. Um, but it's about the vaccine rate, which is another debacle. But. Um, <clears throat> The sooner we get vaccinated, the, the, the better off we'll be. I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on the situation today with 246 cases acquired locally. I mean, the government forecast this last week, they obviously knew there were a lot of mystery cases out there and it was likely to see an increase coming. And who knows, we could be in New South Wales territory in the coming weeks. If we have an easing of restrictions in regional Victoria, is it going to be a real challenge to keep it out of uh, regional Victoria, to keep the virus in metropolitan Melbourne if we start to see 1,000 new cases a day and beyond? Um, well, I, I, I don't think so. I mean, the I think the... 
I'm, I'm not a, a, a doctor or, or anything, you know. So, yeah. But I, I think in terms of uh, uh, we, uh, the, the keys of vaccine, isn't it? And we've got to, we, I think uh, we've been, the, what the, the most disappointing thing is, I mean, I've had the AstraZeneca. I mean, I'm 56, so I wasn't meant to have it. Then I was meant to have it. Then I was, so that, the messaging has just been terrible, atrocious on that from day dot. My daughter has had AstraZeneca. She's 23. Um, so <clears throat> I think we've got heaps of AstraZeneca. We, we need to just make sure that people um, get vaccinated. And I think they're tr- they're, they are talking about trialling, um, you know, full, uh, full vaccination, like entry to restaurants and hotels. I read something in in the paper about that yesterday. And I think that <clears throat> that's what that's the way we've got to go forward. And that's like at the end of September, October. Um, I think they've got to give people that little bit of hope that, you know, um, that there's a there's a future plan. And I think we'll we'll get there. But I I, I think it's I don't I don't think we're any in anywhere near as bad as as the state of New South Wales in terms of they've got thousands of cases a day. So even if we even if we get to that that Threshold in a, in a few weeks, we're still going to have a lot more people vaccinated. I think it's, <clears throat> I think they're doing the right thing by just keeping the line. That gives us some hope, doesn't it? That even if we do go in the direction of New South Wales, by then we'll have more people vaccinated than they did at the same point. And hopefully that either means that the cases won't be as high or at least we won't have as many deaths and hospitalizations here. Yes, that's right. And I think <clears throat> they did the right thing. They ordered, um, having a, um, they're wanting to get about a thousand health health workers from overseas, um, which is you know that that should have been which is they're on on, on the way because um, obviously there's a process for that, and I think the um, like you know as much as it is is difficult in the regions for hospitality businesses and all the others, I think. You know, in October, there, there will be, um, I think well, we, when we get to October, we'll have an easing of restrictions or at the end of the month. And I, and that, that's a much better situation than, like I said, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, um, like to be in New South Wales at all, like in terms of what's happening. It's mainly Sydney. I know that in the northern areas, they haven't, ha- haven't got any cases. So that's good. Um, talking about the global community, we were all very much moved by seeing the, the pictures of Afghanistan. I'm just wondering what your thoughts might be on how the international community should respond to that, and particularly Australia, given what we're seeing over there, and even what we can do as a country to, for example, take refugees. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, you know, I've spoken to the Hazara community um, reps in, in, you know, the, the members in Geelong, and obviously the more we can do, the better. Um, you know, we should be taking a lot more than we've committed to. We, I noticed Canada many, many weeks ago committed to take 20,000 Afghans, um, uh, refugees. And I think we, we should take a similar amount or if, if not, then proportionally, you know, in, in terms of our population, we should be taking, um, 12,000 or 14,000 or whatever. Um, it, well, I mean, it's a, it's a vexed issue. My sister, Worked there for Save the Children before um, September 11th and and after. So she worked when the Taliban were in control and after. And um, you know, it's very. I think she. Um, you, you talk to her. It's it, it, you know she's quite disappointed by the way it's all panned out. And it's like nothing has changed really. So you wonder what it was all for. But um, um, there's no doubt that. It's been a massive um, policy failure. I think after the initial 
when initially Australia went in, that was was justified potentially because of the threat from um, Al-Qaeda. But once that was nullified, there was no excuse for us being there. And then the war crimes that are alleged to have committed. And, and, and the Taliban will be using that to... To um, and they're already saying things about that. So, I think it's. I think it's. I think we're there about you know probably sixteen years too long. Mm. I mean, how do you feel about the whole September 11th thing? Given that we're coming up to the uh, anniversary, the twentieth anniversary, in about five days' time, depending on what time zone you're in. But um, the fact that yeah, twenty years on, there's some similar talk about terrorism from Afghanistan. It's almost like back to the start of the cycle again, in a way, isn't it? Well, yes. I mean, except that everyone. You know, it's, 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 I mean, it were, it, there was reportedly 28 Taliban fighters that were killed in that bombing, you know, that a few weeks back at the airport. And, I mean, that's what people have forgotten. They're, they're not friends of these this um, ISIS-K. But I, I think it's it's much more complicated um, than than it's, it's, it's not a binary proposition that we have, you know, um, these groups have been around for for many years, but they've got different objectives. They have, I mean, the the Taliban are, are um, you know, obviously for Geelong, we've got Hazaras who are one of those persecuted groups by the Taliban, and and you know um, that's no good. And women and all and and all those different minorities, LGBTI and others. Well, you'd, you'd be getting out of um, Afghanistan as quickly as you could. I do note. I do note that the population has doubled in twenty years. You know, it's, it's the population's doubled, and it, and and that, and so that brings with it all those pressures that a developing country has to deal with. So, and the other thing is that the um, NGOs are still there. You know, just because the Australian consulate, Australia, we cleared out, and our military cleared out, and then the US come in and they clear out, but the NGOs stay, and they're the people who I think. We don't focus enough upon, you know. It'd be nice for us to to have some recognition of those those people that live and work in these countries when when the militaries exited, you know. Um, and and I think that's that's. I mean, I, I know I've diverged a little bit from your point, but I think um, in terms of the, it's it's been a fiasco. The whole war on terror. I mean, it, I understand why. The Americans felt like they needed to, well, they needed to respond, but there, there is no evidence at all. There is no evidence that there was weapons of mass destruction in, in Iraq that was built on a lie. <clears throat> and I think that, you know, the, the real exponents of Wahhabism, the Saudis, they just get away with it. You know, they, they just carry on their merry way. And I, I don't think there's enough analysis of, of who, who really benefits from what's going on in the Middle East. And and the the major beneficiaries are the big military industrial, you know, companies and organisations that that make a lot of money out of war. I know it's a it's a it's a fairly cynical way to look at it, but um, where's all the money gone? Who and whose pockets is it? You know, that's you know, I mean, that's 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 reality, isn't it? Talking about the NGOs, I've watched a couple of the interviews with the NGOs on the ground in Afghanistan and it's amazing to think that there's people there doing that sort of work. It must be a very grim situation to be in, but they're pushing on. But how do you think they'll go trying to deal with the Taliban because the Taliban's making some noises to the media about being more compassionate and all that this time around, but people are saying, oh, I don't know if you really trust them. But they seem to be a bit smarter with their PR, the Taliban, this time around. But how do you think they're going to go, those NGOs, in trying to deliver services and support people on the ground there? Uh, 
Well, I think they'll. I think they'll find that. Well, the Taliban obviously want them to stay there, and um, you know, I can only go from what people like my sister. Uh, she worked with the t- t- Taliban. That was. She was uh, working on a camp that had 650,000 internally displaced women and children. I mean, just think about that figure, 650,000. Know? Mm. I mean, and those numbers, the, the numbers will be growing to that. Kind, that's in, in the north in Mazari Sharif. And the, those figures are, and those numbers, that, that's, that's the kind of situation that will probably they'll get to again in, in terms of internally displaced people. Um, but I, I think the Taliban are, are, are smart enough to know that they need the, the agencies there delivering essential health care, um, you know, food, humanitarian aid, housing, shelter. And I think it's and, – and, and let's not forget that there is still COVID. <laughs> and that's what's astonishing is that the, the country must be dealing with the COVID pandemic as well. Um, so I don't know how their health health system is going to handle it, and and economically, it's it's it's. I know uh, Russia and China are are, are talking uh, with the Taliban, and and so I think there's been a shift there. So let's see what happens. And just last of all, a lot of people would be interested in what you're working on these days. What's a day in the life of Michael Martinez at the moment? Uh, I, I, I do a bit of work with um, Language Loop, which is the. Um, the Victorian Interpreting Service. I'm the deputy chair of that, and that is um, Australia's biggest language provider. So we've got two and a half thousand interpreters, and we're going to convert those interpreters from contractors to employees. So that's a pretty big transition, and that's meant to happen within a year. So I'm also the chair of the PNC committee. So that's that's people and culture committee. So we've got a lot of work to do there, and yeah, that's and anyway, that's that's a paid um, board position. But I'm also uh, I work for WCIG Westgate Community Initiatives Geelong, and um, we've, we've we're a disability employment and training provider and NDIS, and I'm working on a project there, which is an interesting project, and we're looking to uh, develop and grow our business name in Geelong. But obviously, at the moment, it's a little bit difficult with COVID. You can't get out mm. and 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 do that. Uh, face-to-face work. But, um, yeah, that keeps me busy. It sounds like you're very busy with all of those different things going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's 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 good. It's exciting. Um, and, you know, I've done a few... I did a few... Um, I did a bit of rammed earth wall building and went up and worked in the Grampians with Envirotechnics, which was which was great. It's a beautiful part of the world on the, um, on the Peak Trail, which is a... Um, a massive investment the state and federal government are doing there to make open up the Grampians for more hiking. Um, it's such a beautiful part of the world. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe we could talk about that another day. Well, it'd be good to have you back on. Look, thanks so much for being on the program this morning. It's been really good to hear from you again. And I'm sure a lot of people will be pleased to hear from you again. And yeah, please feel free to come back on if you've got an update. Uh, you know where to find us. Thanks, Mitchell. And um, congratulations to the polls. Keep going. We will keep pushing on. Thank you very much, Michael Martinez, their former Diversitat CEO, who now has a number of other positions and projects he's working on. The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 to 11. Or search for Mitchell's Front Page on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you get your podcasts.